Hey Dragons, Kenny Rodder coming back at you with another prequel episode. This episode was recorded in August 2014 with Amy Ebling. Hoping we can get her on again, if we haven't already. But a little bit about Amy. She was the manager of an Anytime Fitness, so you know she knows that fitness stuff. Her definition of being of living is being active and doing things that challenge yourself. So take that for what it's worth. The best advice she ever got was her father once told her, the only person who's in charge of your own happiness is you. So I think that's really great advice. She started running marathons in 2008. She's At the time of this recording, she had run 11 full marathons and 7 to 8 half marathons. She's also done some Tough Mudders, some Warrior Dashes, just to keep it interesting. What's cool about Amy is that she is a professional skydiver. So she did her first skydive on May 27th, 2013. She did her second jump 40 hours later. She got hooked and started to learn how to become a professional skydiver. What's awesome about Amy is she is a plane crash survivor. So we don't talk about it much on the episode, but if you want to go ahead, Google Skydive Superior Mid-Air Plane Collision. It happened November 2nd, 2013. If you're at all squeamish, don't do it. Amy's awesome. To date, as of the date of the recording, she had done 540 jumps. So she knows what she's doing up there. Some quotes that she likes are, You only live once. False. You only die once. You live every day. Another quote she enjoys is, I'm not going to tread lightly through life to arrive safely at death. So she really embraces that. She takes impromptu road trips to go beer tasting in Nash in Asheville, North Carolina, or just an all-out adventure trip to base jump with some friends in Utah. Really awesome. I hope you guys enjoy the podcast. If you have any questions, shoot me an email, Ken at Dumbbells and Dragons, or check out uh, Amy at, on Instagram at Mrs. Amy Ebling. We'll talk to you on the next one. Enjoy. Workout nerd out. In the basement rolling dice. Let's just start, I guess, at the beginning. What got you up and fitness running marathons? Like, what got you started and everything? Well, I've always worked out. I was in sports in um, grade school. I was never good at sports. It was like the they're, they're going to use me at the end of the batting order, and they're going to stick me in the outfield until they realize that the girls are strong enough to start hitting the balls out there, and then they're going to keep me on the bench. I wasn't bad, but I wasn't great. And okay. I certainly wasn't, like, the coach's kid, so. Um, so you played softball. Any other sports? Soccer, track, cheerleading, dance, gymnastics. Um, oh, wow. So you were always, yeah, like, a pretty fit things. kid. Yeah, yeah. Um, I was this bean pole, this tall, lanky bean pole. And I don't know. Um, I realized early on that I didn't um, – maybe it started out – technically unhealthy you know you you don't want to gain weight you see your friends you see even some of your family members kind of packing on the pounds and stuff and you realize you don't want to do that and I say that it started unhealthy because I don't think anyone when they start their fitness journey knows really what they're doing 
maybe the goal at that time was to lose weight. I didn't have weight to lose, but I didn't know that at the time. Um, eventually, let's see. I think it was right about the time, it was right after I got a divorce. I kind of did the same thing you did with your half marathon mm-hmm. with the full marathon. I've never been a runner. Um, but Grandma's Marathon is the 12th largest marathon in the country, and it's in my backyard, and it's pretty awesome. Um, What's it so called? I just read Grandma's Marathon. Okay, I've never like, heard of that before. Like my grandma? Like Grandma's Marathon. Yeah, yeah it's pretty rad. Um, you run from two harbors and you end in downtown Duluth, and you run along Lake Superior the entire way. It's awesome. It's beautiful. It's awful, but... As far as marathons go, that's it's one of the best ones you can do. Plus, it's in my backyard, so I don't have travel expenses, whatever. Um, I didn't know what I was doing. The longest race that I did, or the longest run that I did before my first marathon was five miles on an elliptical, and it took me an hour. And um, at the time, I was a smoker, so I decided to quit smoking three days before the race because <laughs> you probably shouldn't run a marathon as a smoker. <laughs> so, needless to say... Um, my first marathon experience <laughs> could have been better, uh, but I wasn't last. So I registered for one the next year and actually trained for it and didn't continue smoking. So like that was the, the last of my smoking experience. Um, so one good thing came out of that first marathon. Uh, ran it the next year, and I, out of all that training and, and not smoking, I only shaved four minutes off my time. So... Um, I don't even know what to say about it. you have a question? No, I have a statement. <laughs> it's not you only shaved four minutes off your time. It's you shaved four minutes off your time. Sure, yeah. Well, and you know, um, what has it been? Six years since my first marathon. I just ran my 10th marathon on the anniversary of my first marathon. Um, yeah, it was a grandma's again. And I think... So my very first marathon, I finished in 5.39. The next year, I finished in 5.34 and a half. Um, this one, I think I was like 5.28. So I really <laughs> haven't improved all that much. There have been better races, you know, um, but there's also been worse ones. So mentally speaking, this year's Grandma's was the most difficult race I've ever endured. I wanted to quit halfway through. I thought I was going to quit halfway through. Um I was texting my brother and my, he's my uh, fiance at the time, my now husband, halfway through that there's no way I can actually keep going. And for whatever reason, I crossed the finish line. It sucked. What, what kept you going? Something had to have kept you going. There's uh, one race a few years ago that I got med dropped from at mile 22. It was the Quad Cities Marathon down in Illinois and Iowa. Yeah. um, Moline area. Yep. Yep. Rockford, Moline. Um, I didn't finish that. That's the only race I haven't finished. And they yanked me out at mile 22 because I was crawling and dry heaving. Um, bad race, bad prep, whatever it happens. But I think that's the only reason why I kept going this grandma's because as soon as they yank you off the course, um, what did I just read a quote from Lance Armstrong actually just today? Like the, the pain, of, the pain will last a day. It could last an hour. It could last a year. But eventually it'll go away. The, the pain of quitting will always be there. So that was kind of running through my mind this year at Grandma's. And halfway through a full marathon is a really bad place to feel that awful. Yeah. Um, 
I was also texting a friend of mine who had just had knee surgery and she's like, hey, hang in there. I go see my physical therapist in 15 minutes. I'm in his office. I'll ask if there's any advice and, and whatever. They came to the conclusion that I was dehydrated. Rookie mistake. It happens. Um, I actually talked to a, one of my members at the gym who's been running for 35 years, and he still has rookie mistakes every once in a while. So, yeah, uh, got a bunch of food and got a bunch of water and electrolytes in at the next aid station, and then it took to mile 17 to get my feet back under me, but it was pretty bad. Oh, wow. Really bad. Once you decide that you're going to quit, like, basically you have to see that the aid station is coming up and just, like, shield your eyes, like, like the blinders on a horse, you have to go like this and just be like, okay, just make it pass it, just make it pass it. Once you're past it, you'll keep going because you have to make it to the next aid station. Absolutely. What do you think about when you're running and what keeps you, like, is it, I really, number one, I really love that quote from Armstrong. Um, yeah. It's too bad I, it came from Lance Armstrong, but sorry. Aw. <laughs> Aw. I, I feel kind of bad right now. Well, it's such a great quote, and he's kind of a douchebag now, so uh, I can appreciate where it came from. It's just rookie mistakes. Yeah, seven times in a row. Like, you know, illegal doping, but whatever. Yeah, blood transfusion. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> but, yeah, no biggie. No, I had a similar experience um, this past June where something happened in my knee at mile nine um, of 13, and I was like, I just want to stop. I just can't go any further. I, my knee hurts so bad, I don't want to risk, like, a lifetime injury for this. Yeah. And I thought about it and thought about it and thought about it, and I was like, what is the point of, doing anything if you're not going to push yourself mm -hmm. and so I pushed I finished and like three days later my knee was fine and so I was just sure like, I yeah was, I was just really but you didn't know that at the time that's true so that's what really really hurt and bothered me uh so what other sort of super awesome things do you do I read here that you are a skydiver yep um, started skydiving a few years ago, still run marathons. Um, I've dabbled in the, the fitness competition side of, of working out a couple of times. Not for me, but whatever. I tried it. Um, snowboard, wakeboard. I don't know. I don't like to sit still very much. So I tried to triathlon once. I wasn't last, but <laughs> um, <laughs> It's humbling to, to show up to your first triathlon, and um, it was a pretty small one. I think there were 78 people, and I was the only one without a wetsuit. Just showed up in a string bikini, because that's what I go swimming in. Okay, and apparently uh, you're supposed to be in a wetsuit? I guess um, from a triathlete standpoint, they help with buoyancy, um, help you swim better, I don't know, protect okay. you from the elements of the lake. Apparently, you can also rent them from the company that puts on the triathlon, which I missed the memo on. Not sure that I would have done it anyway, because what, what am I going to do? I'm just going to go swimming. So, a friend of mine who does um, Ironman competitions was doing the sprint triathlon that day, too. And he was shooting out to win it, um, win first place of the whole, the whole sprint try. 
And he goes, just make sure that every every couple of feet or every couple of strokes, look up to make sure you're actually swimming in the right direction. Um, he's like, and if you can't actually like do a competitive swim, he's like, go on your back or go on your side. Anything's better than the dog paddle. I'm like, okay. So those were the only tips I needed. And um, I wasn't the last one out of the water. So, yeah. Excellent. And I kept going in the right direction. But I did see what he meant because there were a lot of people who weren't even rookies that were doing one of these. Because if you don't keep your orientation where you're going, there is no orientation when your face is in the water. You have no idea, you know, and most people are really dominant on one side, so you could be, you could be off in left field, and there you go. You got to swim back the other way and waste all that energy, so. No, I absolutely know how that is, because I jumped in the pool today, and I'm not a good swimmer. I hate swimming. Mm -hmm. Well, that was the first time I've actually swam. What? Like, well, I mean, like, I swim for fun, and, like, hang out in the water, but I've never done that okay. before. But you, you trained in the pool, I'm assuming. No. No. Not once. Oh! Not once. You're amazing. No, it kind of comes down to this, like, I see so many people every day outside of their comfort zone. They don't want to be in the gym. They don't feel right in the gym That that's not where they're comfortable. So it was me putting myself in somebody else's shoes. This is what it feels like to be uncomfortable. I had no clue what I was doing. But I know I can side stroke and backstroke for at least 800 meters, so I'm good. <laughs> well, there you go. I wasn't last out of the water, so it works. And you know what? Even if you were last, who cares? You did yeah. it. And my, my stream bikini. And then the, the bike was really funny, too, because everybody's setting up their, their bikes on the transition area and stuff because um, it's swim, bike, then run. And I was looking around, and everybody has these really nice clip-in, you know, where your shoes clip into your bike and stuff. And <laughs> I pull out my – my dad had gotten me a, a bicycle from a garage sale. It's like 10-speed or something. Two of the speeds didn't work. And he put, like, a memory foam seat on it and a new bike chain and fixed the brakes for me. It was free. That's that's what I did my triathlon in. So you didn't have the clip-in bike shoes? You just had regular no. tennis shoes? No. Oh. So this guy passes me on the bike, and he's like, isn't it amazing what technology can do? And I was like, oh, cool. I'm just out for a bike ride. And then I passed him on the run because it was, like, a 5K run. And I was like, isn't it amazing what technology can do? I'm like, I'm just running in my shoes, but... I. I still passed him. Yeah, what's up, buddy? Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. Show you what's on a hill. <laughs> That's excellent. That is so... I'm not going to lie. That's really inspiring. Um, well, you said there's... Like you said, there's um, there's nothing that you can't do. Well, yeah, it's... it's. I don't have an I can't do it bone in my body. I, I'll try it. It's like whether you think you can or you can't, you're right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a good one. I'm going to write that down. Ooh. Please do. I like that one. Um, what uh, what sort of obstacles have you overcome in your fitness journey or in your mm. or in your just getting out of your comfort zone journey? Um, uh, I guess I don't really have a comfort zone, so it's pretty easy to get out of it when you don't have one. Obstacles, I mean, injuries, I've had a couple of them. I had a cleavage tear in a meniscus that put me out for a bit. Um, 
I had a stress reaction at the head of my femur that put me out for a long time. That was that was bad. If I would have kept running on it, I would have broken my hip at oh, wow. 27 years old. I would have had hip replacement surgery. And so that could have sidelined you for a while. Where'd you? How did you get that injury? Was it just um, we think just the wrong wrong day to run. I don't know. Um, I had done a 16 miler. I was training with one of the guys that does Ironman competitions in my gym, and he was more concerned about time on his feet. So he's like, I don't care what pace you're running at. I just need to be on my feet for X number of hours or whatever. So we did a 16 mile run. It was Easter, and felt great. It was beautiful. Um, went to help out at the drop zone where I skydive at after the 16-mile run. I was going to help teach a, a first jump course and noticed my hip was kind of sore. We got weathered out, so everybody went to Applebee's for a beer and some, some lunch. And when we left Applebee's, I had to push myself off my chair. Like, I couldn't put weight on my hip. And then shortly after, yeah. within even just a few hours, I had to, like, lift my leg up with my arms to get in and out of the car. Okay. Um, so any sort of use was, it was just excruciating and impossible. Um, and it didn't even happen on the run. It was, well, obviously it did happen on the run, but it didn't start getting that inflamed until afterwards. So um, I went to the same guy that helped me with my, with my knee. And that was his conclusion was absolutely no, weight on it, no running, nothing. And that's kind of when I started do to dabble in the fitness competition things because I couldn't run anymore. So what am I going to do? I need a goal. I need, I need to do something. So I just started lifting differently and um, ended up doing two bikini competitions. So. Wow, that's a, like... They're super lame. What? They're just so lame. It's really cool training for it and being that strict with yourself and you have super structured fitness, super structured nutrition. It's certainly not for me. Okay. Did you have a coach? Yeah. Um, I used two different coaches. The the first time around, I had help from a female coach and a male coach kind of guiding me in the right, the right path. And then the second one that I did, I stuck to one coach, one plan. Here's how you do it. We did weekly check-ins, weekly emails, and then he would tweak my macros based on what my results look like from the from the previous week, so. Okay. How'd you do in the competition? Um, the first one, I think I got like 11th out of 12, but it was, from what I understand, that was the most stacked um, competition of the year. It's the last one of the year, so most of the people have been training for 30 weeks. Most of them are in the best shape um, they've already gotten their, their prep shows out of the way. And I just did like eight weeks of, of prep to test the waters and see how it was like. Um, so I didn't go into it expecting anything as far as placing goes, but I did want to experience it. The thing is I knew that um, there was one coming to my area for the first time. And I certainly didn't want to step on stage for the first time in my backyard. Being a, a fitness professional for the last seven years in the area. I'm going to know the athletes. I'm going to know the trainers. I'm going to know a lot of people in the audience and I wasn't going to follow my face in that scene. I'd rather do it two hours away um, than in my backyard. So took the second prep a little bit more seriously, did 20 weeks of training to get on stage, got sixth out of 13 girls. So 
That's a huge improvement. I was ecstatic. I didn't place it all, and it, I was ecstatic. That was as good as it gets for me, and that was the last time I will ever do that. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Um, I've been trying to build up the courage to register and do one. I hear from the guy's side it's not so bad. The ladies are just, I mean, you get a couple good ones, but the majority of them are so fake. You're just like, you're just over it. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, my thing is, I don't have the money right now. It is really, really expensive. The right. supplements, the registration fee, um, you have to register for the organization that you're going to, travel expenses, the tan alone is like 120 bucks. A good luck. Pay for a and co- it washes off. Yeah, and you have to pay for a coach. Mm-hmm. And I'm not going to lie, I'm a hairy dude. I would have to pay to get waxed, and that's 120 yep. bucks. Yep. And so it's just... There I, might be a time for it, there might not be. Yeah, right? Maybe next year. Mm-hmm. You know, we'll see. Really, I have like a, a more passionate love for endurance than I do for being on stage for three minutes in a bikini. I, I'm kind of more of an adrenaline junkie. Anyway, I would rather do a mud run or go, like, try boxing for the first time and jump into a ring with somebody and see what I can do or something like that. Or skydive, as we've both done before. Yeah. Are you thinking about skydiving professionally or becoming an instructor or anything like that? Because I know you do. I am an instructor. You what? I am an instructor. Oh, well, shit. Never mind then. My bad. Yeah. um, I pack parachutes and I coach people who, um, I don't take people attached to me, but I coach people who are interested in getting their, their license. Okay. Um, so teach them about the gear, how to pack their parachutes. I'll take them up and teach them, um, maneuvers, I guess. You're, you're manipulating your surface area. This is where the nerdy stuff comes in. Um, it's physics applied as, as fun as it gets. Like you, you don't get much better than skydiving in physics, in physics. Um, but it's manipulating your surface area to make your body do something, um, or make, you're trying to control what the wind does to you yeah. based on your surface area and how it hits it. So how to turn, how to flip, how to barrel roll, how to go forward, how to go backward, how to control your fall rate. So if you're falling with, I mean, people of different masses and different body shapes fall different fall at different rates. So big guy's going to fall fast, little girl's going to fall slow. How do you adjust that so when you're in the air together, you guys can get together and make a skydive? So how did you and your husband do that to arrange your vows to be exchanged? (laughs) We got our good friend Johnny Rodrigo, ordained on the great worldwide interweb. I know know the experience. I've I've done that myself. Um, enter your email here. Oh my gosh, you're ordained. Cool. Let's go get <laughs> he has, you know, seven or eight hundred skydives as well. So um, we kind of said a few things and then opened the door and jumped out and started skydiving, spinning and stuff. That's awesome. Yeah, it was pretty cool. So real quick, one of the guys who helps run DB&D, mm-hmm. uh, his name is Ted. We did our first skydive. Uh, in Hawaii last May. Yep, saw it. I stalked you. Yeah. He could not jump. He went up in the plane, the door opened, he couldn't jump. He didn't do it. He had to ride in the plane all the way back down. 
What advice do you have for him or anybody in that position? Make your instructor push you out. Make your instructor push you out. Tell them on the ground that no matter what you tell them when you get up there. I mean, if we get somebody like that, which doesn't happen often, I'll have to tell you that much. Like, it is very rare that somebody, by the time they get in the plane, won't get out of it. Um, but I've seen my pilot tip the plane to dump them out. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah. They've never regretted it. Never never <laughs> have, I, have I gotten to the ground and got up and high-fived somebody and then been like, Man, your pilot's an asshole. They've never done that. They have this shit-eating grin, ear to ear. What? What? Did, what was his reason? Like he just—he just got scared. He just got scared. He let fear do it, huh? Yeah, I know. And See, I guess my very first jump, I went through that. Because um, you go through a plethora, as you know, you go through a plethora of emotions. You have no idea what to expect. Um. So you don't know what emotion is going to hit you next. You have no idea how your mind and your body is going to react to this because you've never experienced it before. And that's part of why I love what I do, especially when I get to jump with tandems and do their videos. They don't know what they're going to do. They have no clue. I'm capturing something that's never been experienced by this person before on video, and I get to play it back to them because chances are they don't even remember it. Um, But in the plane ride up, I went through the same thing where I'm going back and forth, and I'm like, I'm my son's only parent. Why in the hell am I throwing myself out of a plane? Why am I risking death? What am I doing? And then the other like little guy on my shoulder goes, hey, dude attached to your back has like 7,000 skydives. Dude attached to your back has a will to live. And if he has a will to live, you're probably going to live too. So just sit back and enjoy the ride. He kind of just let fear take it, huh? Yeah. Sorry. Uh, and I haven't let him live it down. Good. <laughs> Does he have that? Does he have a regret to it, or does he feel like he made the right decision? He feels like he made the right decision. That's unfortunate. I agree, but hopefully, after hearing you talk, we'll change his mind. Yeah. And maybe we'll. I I mean, no matter where you do it, you just got to remember that the person attached to you, they're in charge, and they're really. I mean, not only do they they want to skydive again, but they definitely want to live. So they're not going to let anything happen to you. Yeah. Uh, have you ever made it down to Eloy in Arizona? No, I'll be there um, September 9th and 10th will be my first time in Eloy. I am, are, are you only here September 9th and 10th? Yep. Oh. I'll be in Scottsdale the 11th, 12th, and 13th, but it's purely for work. And once our conferences start, like, we don't, we don't get downtime. It's work all day, party all night, so. <laughs> Um, no. You wouldn't think a bunch of fitness people can get down, but... <laughs> I, no, I see the guys at my gym. I know they can party. We can we can have a good time. And this is the one time a year that I see most of these people, too, other than Facebook. So it's the one time a year. I've been going to these conferences. This is my eighth one, I think. And um, you meet new people every time, but you always look for the same ones as well. Yeah, it's absolutely. It's the one time a year that I know I'm going to see them. That's excellent. No, I was going to say, I was re- like... I would totally arrange a jump with you, mm-hmm. but I am actually out of town the 6th through the 13th. Oh, yeah. So I'm a little bummed, but maybe yeah. in the future. Of course. And you'll have to let me know how skydiving in Eloy is. I've never done it, and I want to know a professional's opinion. Sure. I have a friend, um, a husband and wife team that just moved down there about a year ago um, from Fargo, and they have no regrets. So. Oh, excellent. 
Um, Eloy is kind of well known for having a really good flyer base, um, depending on what discipline you do. Um, and they also have the wind tunnel there too for indoor skydiving. So if you happen to get winded out or weathered out, um, you have that as a backup to still do some pretty sweet stuff. So I've done the indoor, so that's mm-hmm. that was actually really fun. Um, mm-hmm. We use that for training. Oh, no, yeah, because I remember when I was there, I did see a lot of people training in it and doing, like, turns and practicing and stuff like that. So that's actually really cool. Yeah. So there's one question we ask everybody when they come on to the podcast, and it's, what are you nerding out about right now? So what is happening in your life that you're, like, so nerding out about? Uh, ooh. What am I nerding out about? I don't know. Do I have to pin it down to one thing? I'm a newlywed, so maybe my marriage. It's pretty rad. <laughs> you can absolutely pick your marriage. Your marriage is totally If the cool. next 50 years is anything like the last three weeks, we nailed it. We got this down. <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, yeah. So some advice for maybe some people out there. What are you personally going to do to make the next 50 years like the last three weeks? Um, Or even like the last you know, two and a half, three years, um, we have a pretty strong sense of adventure, and I think that's what's so wonderful. Um, He kind of does the same thing, where there's not really an I-can't-do-it bone in his body either. Um, Yeah, base jumping, um, travel. I think his sense of travel is, is almost more than mine, which is refreshing, because I thought... I thought I could go anywhere. And then with him, it's like, I really can't go anywhere. This is going to be cool. Um, we have a trip planned to Bend, Oregon. A friend of ours is moving to Spain. Um, and she needed to sell her vehicle. So we bought one-way tickets out, and we're driving our brand-new Nissan. Well, not Bend, brand-new. New to us, Nissan Xterra back to Minnesota from Oregon. We're going to make a trip out of it, though. And what are you going to do while you're in Oregon? Well, okay, number three on my bucket list is to do the truffle shuffle in front of the Goonies house in Astoria. Yeah. So I will be checking off the third thing on my bucket list. And I really hope that you videotape it and then post that to the Facebooks. It's It has to happen. I mean, I've been watching the Goonies since, what, 1985? <laughs> um <laughs> practically have it memorized my son loves it too um so yeah we're gonna do the goonies i have to go to cannon beach and like you know if they if they have the little uh the, the map the little yeah yeah like the map so line it up like like sean astin does with the haystack rock in the back and i'm gonna do that as you should and then share that yeah. video with me yeah we're taking a tour of the deschutes brewery as soon as we get there and then on the way home we're going to try to hit up if timing works out with friends that we have because neither one of us have our own base jumping gear. Um, there's one place in the United States that you can legally base jump year round, and it's the Perrine Bridge in Twin Falls, Idaho. So Very cool. Um, mm-hmm. I, I love Deschutes. They're um, Abyss. Good brew. Oh, my goodness. They're Abyss, and the Stoic is just deli- two delicious beers that I love. Yeah. Oh. Okay, that's awesome. That's really exciting. Sounds like you've got a lot of really cool stuff lined up. Should be rad, yep. I have one last question for you, and then I'm going to let you get back to your evening because I know it's a little bit later there. Um, If people wanted to get in touch with you about training or skydiving, 
or go skydiving wherever it is you're working um, or find you on the Twitters or Instagrams, would you like to share any of that information with us? You yeah, don't? definitely. I don't I don't tweet. I tried Twitter once and it was not for me. <laughs> uh, so we have the um, Instagram is my love, um, Mrs. Amy Ebling on Instagram. And Facebook, it's Amy Ebling. I'm probably the only one out there. Amy, thank you so much. It was such a pleasure meeting you. Nice uh, to meet you. Do you have any last words of motivation for anybody out there who needs to jump out of a plane or get off the couch or run a marathon? You know, whatever it is, um, it's been my motto for a number of years now. A friend of mine once told me to just be happy. It's worth it. So that's that's the motto. I like be it. Be happy. It's worth it. Excellent. I will talk to you soon, all right? And have a good time in Arizona. Yeah, we will do. All right. Bye. Bye.